please, if you take nothing else from the podcast, please don't try to write your own encryption. We want to use established algorithms that have been tested uh, that we trust. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Development Best Practices Podcast, brought to you by ILM Professional Services. I'm your podcast host, Jason Erdahl, and today we welcome Robert Bodingheimer, Microsoft MVP, Pluralsight author, and MDC speaker, to talk about cryptography. Robert will offer his definition of cryptography and talk about why it's important. He'll define some important terms, talk about why you should never author your own encryption algorithm, and also talk through how to determine which encryption algorithms are good and bad. So without further ado, let's bring in Robert. Hello, Robert. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. I'm so glad that you're here to chat with us. You and I have had an opportunity to work together for years now. Um, we see each other at conferences, of course, but the one that I most associate you with is the Minnesota Developers Conference. And you have the distinguished honor as, well, I mean, I'm sure you like the honor of being a Microsoft MVP and a Pluralsight author, but... Um, Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, and there are only two of you, so I'm really glad that you're both here. Um, so Robert Bodingheimer has spoken at every Minnesota Developers Conference, um, so which is a huge achievement. So I don't know how this comes through in audio, but that's a round of applause, people. That's pretty great. Um, I am always um, grateful um, to have uh, Robert at the at the conference and always learn new things. Uh, but um, Best practices. Robert, could you give us a best practice in something other than development? Yes. Uh, there's quite a few different, I guess, life hacks that I follow, but one that's not development but still computer-related that I've been doing for years is what's called a native boot for Windows. Okay. So the idea is I'm the tech support of my family. And so the way I like to configure my machines, you can actually set up in Windows, you can create a virtual machine, which you've been okay. able to do for years. Okay. You've always been able to run a virtual machine in a host OS. So you can run that virtual machine, but you're losing some of the availability of the host because you're splitting it between the host OS and your virtual machine. Got what it. Native Boot lets you do is create a virtual machine that will boot directly on hardware. And so basically what I do is I set up every one of the family's laptops. We have the physical machine with Windows, but then I make a virtual machine for them. And you configure it at boot time to pick that virtual machine. Now that virtual machine will run on the native hardware with all of the speed, but their entire machine is in a single VHD file. So backups are easy. Restores are easy. Uh, transitioning between machines is easy. I can just pick up that one file, copy it over, boot it on the other one, update some drivers, and you're good to go. <laughs> wow. Well, that's cool. That's a very good tip. Um, and this is well documented. So if you're driving, please don't try to um, try to write all this down. I will include it in the show notes. 
So, <laughs> so some additional information about that. I will admit when I, when I think about those boots, I think about um, how when I had to boot up my first computer, I had to use a floppy disk to boot up that computer. And then I had to take it out at some point and put in my application um, floppy. So, um, so those were, uh, those were good days. Those I'm were good familiar days. familiar with that as well. Yes. Swapping to the word processor from your OS and yes. Yeah. Always good, good times. times. Good times. All right. Well, we are well beyond that now. Uh, I, if you had told me the word cryptography back in 82, um, I wouldn't have known what it is, but I'll admit I, uh, I don't know as much about it as I probably think I do. So let's start with something very basic. What is cryptography and why is it important? Okay. So what is cryptography? I like the definition of it's the science of keeping messages secure. Okay. And why it's important. um, Our daily lives are done online. I mean, we have our medical records, finances, finances. online purchasing, all of these things that are happening online that I'm hoping are secure, right? I hope they're implementing things correctly. And as far as why it's important, there's really four things that you look to for cryptography to solve. The first is most people, when they think of cryptography, think about confidentiality. You know, I have some data that I don't want somebody else to be able to read. Secondly, it's integrity. So I want to make sure that what I saw or what I sent to you or the contract that I sign has not been modified. I don't want to agree to a bunch of terms and then have you change something in it. So integrity is important. We use it for authentication. So I want to prove that you are who you say you are. And then lastly, we use it for non-repudiation, which just means that the contract example, again, if I sent you a contract, I want the equivalent of what a physical signature would be like. I want to be able to hand you a digital document and know it hasn't been tampered with and for you to be able to prove that I was the person who signed it. So those are kind of the four big goals of uh, what cryptography wants to solve for us. Got it. No, those are great. No, I appreciate that. So um, when I was chatting with a friend of mine, um, he used a lot of different terminology used in cryptography. Um, I think it was hashing, ciphertext, encryption, signing. You talked about some of those. Um, what are the other? So what? Tell, tell us a little bit, if those are meaningful terms, and I haven't butchered them, um, what do they all mean? Yeah, so we'll start with the ones that are around encryption or confidentiality first. Um, right traditional industry terms, the original data is called plain text. So you have some data, that's your plain text. Encryption is your process of obscuring that data so that people can't read it. As soon as you obscure it, instead of being called plain text, they call it ciphertext. And then decryption is the process that takes it from ciphertext back to plain text. So those are the standard definitions around the encryption and decryption and confidentiality. Um, hashing is another technique we'll talk about throughout the talk. Uh, it's basically a one-way function. So I'm going to take a, a piece of data. It doesn't matter how big the data is. I run it through a hash function, and it will give me a fixed size output. People often like to call that a message digest. It's just a representation of that complete thing. So if I were to change a single bit in, say, a big document, the hash value should be vastly different. 
Okay. And we're going to talk about it again. Hashing gives us integrity and we use it for authentication. And then you okay. mentioned signing. And again, that's the digital signatures, the part where I want to be able to get the non-repudiation, the fact that it hasn't been tampered with and that I know you're the one who signed it. Got it. Got it. So um, I'll admit my first experience as a developer with encryption was pulling a script off Matt's script archive um, back in the late 90s and uh, encrypting the Milwaukee Brewers Guestbook, a website I was working on. And uh, unfortunately, I hadn't kept the decryption key. Um, so I spent a oh. weekend parsing the data out as best I could out, out of a very machiney looking file. So that wasn't great. Um, I'll admit, um, I've been curious about writing my own encryption algorithms. Is this something we me mortal, mere mortals do? Or is this something that, you know, some really, really talented person um, somewhere else writes? Um, so encryption algorithms, how did those get created? Uh, B, right? The, B. Okay, got it. <laughs> so you, if, if you said one thing, please, if you take nothing else from the podcast, please don't try to write your own encryption. So I've met, I'm, I've met a lot of developers who have, and they come to me and say, I don't want to use, and I'll just mention a few things we'll talk about later, but AES is a very popular encryption. And they'll say, I don't want to use that because I'm afraid that all the details are known about how AES works. Um, the way cryptography works, there's something called uh, Kirchhoff's principle, which just says you have to assume the attacker knows everything about your algorithm. The only thing they don't know is the key. So I've met people who think if I wrote my own thing, security by obscurity, nobody would know my custom code. And the problem is that there are very, very talented cryptographers that still make epically poor cryptography and encryption. And they know this, and that's why they don't, even a skilled cryptographer is not going to go out on their own, try to write something, and people aren't going to trust it. It has to be a, a collective with people who, like you said, really know what they're doing, uh, live and die cryptography. Uh, yeah. So absolutely, we don't want to write our own. We want to use established algorithms that have been tested uh, that we trust. Yeah, got it. So, um, <clears throat> so I don't write my own, which makes a lot of sense, but you use the word trust. How do I know which, who do, who do I trust? Which, which is the right, how do I know when an algorithm is bad and when it's good? Very good question. Uh, there's a couple places that I go. So honestly, probably my first place I go is I've read a lot of books by serious cryptographers and the, often and I've got a pile of them sitting next to me here. Um, they'll tell you it's very easy to say something is bad. So, for instance, MD5 hashing has been compromised, should not be used for any uh, cryptography sort of um, things. The same for SHA-1, the same for encryption with DES. So the books are very clear. They have practical examples of we know this has been compromised and here's why. So it's easy to get the list of things that you shouldn't use anymore. And like I said, I get them from books. I also follow NIST, uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology. They do contests and such to get the next good encryption algorithm. So I trust what they're saying. I look to OWASP 
if you're familiar with the OWASP top 10, they do a lot of security work. So I look at all of those things. Uh, I also follow a lot of security professionals on Twitter. And that's where I get good recommendations for this is a good book. So I'm I'm following people that do cryptography for a living because I don't, right? I'm a, right. a normal developer. It happens to be one of my interest areas. And so I spend time reading about it and trying to understand it. Uh, but I have to put a lot of faith in those standards bodies and people who do cryptography. And the books will tell me these are clearly not good. Uh, they will a lot of them will tell me then these are what you should use. And that's what I'm looking for, right? What is the best encryption algorithm to use for this specific thing? I will also find that in there. But that's really where I would go to to find that kind of information. I wish it was in one place. Like, it'd be nice if there were just a site that said, this is what you're supposed to do, right? Unfortunately, you kind of, just like everything else, you have to glean that from lots of different places and resources. And I also use so, regulations, things like PCI um, for credit cards. They spell out what you can and cannot do. So eventually they said SHA-1 has been compromised. Don't use it anymore. Yeah. Um, you can look to company practices, right? Uh, if your company has a security group, hopefully they're doing the reading of all these books and coming right. back and saying, this is what we want you to use and here's why. So that as a, again, a normal developer that doesn't have an interest in it, they want that guidance from uh, those various places. No, that's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Very cool. That was a great introduction to cryptography and encryption algorithms. Please be sure to listen in a few weeks to part two of our cryptography discussion with Robert, where we'll talk through encryption across languages, symmetric versus asymmetric encryption, and key management. The Development Best Practices podcast is brought to you by ILM Professional Services. Do you want to go to a conference just packed with other great best practices? Please join me at the Minnesota Developers Conference, where speakers like Robert Bodingheimer, Caitlin Donahue, and Javier Lozano talk about development concepts that can help you today. It's on June 22nd, right here in the Twin Cities, and you can find out more at mndevconf.com. If you have any feedback on this episode, or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at ilmservice.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.